I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, today is design day. So last time I talked about a set, I talked about Onslaught. So I'm continuing in the Onslaught block. So today, I'm going to talk all about the 100% creature set, Legions. Okay, so where to start? Okay, so... um. Legions, nicknamed Mo, this block was Manny, Mo, and Jack, named after the Pep Boys, which is an auto part store in the West, which many people have never heard of, so they made poor code names. Um, so this set came out in January of 2003, and like I said, it was 100% creatures. So where did that idea come from? So I don't know whether it was Bill's idea or Mike's idea. Um, I'll give credit to Mike. I think it might have been Mike's idea, although it could have been Bill's. But um, anyway, the idea was, what if we did a set with all creatures? Now, it turned out that this set, the major mechanics of the block were tribal, which was all about creatures, and morph, which only went on creatures. And so the idea was, what if we could do a set with the gimmick being every single card's a creature? Now, it turns out there's not a lot of things that every card could be. Obviously, Allow Reborn would have every card be a gold card. Um, and, and hypothetically, we could do every card as an artifact, maybe, but there's not a lot of things that the entire set can be. Uh, creatures happens to be one of them. Um, so the expansion symbol, for those that care, uh, was a shield with two cross spears. Um, and so the, the set continued um, morph and cycling and tribal from the first set. Um, it did add a few wrinkles, though. Uh, the biggest thing is, um, if I tell the story when, when Morph came around, so if you remember the Onslaught stories, um, the rules team had gone to Mike and gone to Bill, and they were sort of lukewarm on the idea, and they came to me, and I really liked it, so I had mocked up some cards to play with. Well, one of the things I had done with Morph was I made a bunch of tr- Morph triggers, which meant when you morphed it, or you know, when you t- turned it from face down to face up, something happened. Um, and we decided to save those because we were doing the all-creature set. That would be a way to sort of introduce some spell-like effects into an all-creature set. Um, there would, by the way, be a big um, debate, or a big... Uh, maybe debate's not quite the word. There was a big argument about the correct way to make an all-creature set. So the design team was led by Mike Elliott uh, and also included Mike Donay. The same, they were the same people that did Onslaught. Um, and the development team was William Jockish. Um, he was the lead. Uh, and then also the team was Elaine Chase, who's the current brand manager, senior brand manager of Magic. Uh, Mike Dunay, who was the, there's always a person who's on with the design team and the development team. Um, Mike, by the way, was really a developer and not a designer. I mean, more of a developer than a designer. Um, and Worth Wolpert, who now oversees Magic Online. Um, so anyway, William really, really believed that if we're going to do all creatures, that we should shy away from doing creatures that acted like other types of spells. So one of the things about creatures is there's a lot of ways to mimic um, spell effects with creatures. For example, if you do a creature that has an uh, enter-the-battlefield effect, uh, it's a lot like a sorcery, especially if the creature is minimal and the effect is big. Um, If you do a creature with flash with the ETB, that's a lot like an instant. You could do a creature that has a global effect. That's a lot like an enchantment. Um, you can do artifact creatures, obviously. That was allowable within all creatures. You know, there are ways to do things that mimic a lot of stuff. 
Um, Mike believed that was important because we had to fill in for things we were missing. William believed it was against the whole spirit of the thing. Uh, and the funny thing is, it's not like we don't make those cards. We make creatures in every set that have uh, enter the battlefield effects. We make creatures with global effects. Like it's not like Mike was trying to add something that Magic didn't al- already do. Um, but anyway, there was a mu- there was much much debate. I'll, I'll get into it a little later. But um, there's a big debate between the two of them of how mu- how many creatures that were functioning as something other than a creature was the set supposed to have. Um, the set had 55 cards, 45, 55 commons, 45 uncommons, 45 rares. Um, okay, so I talked about morphs. The morph triggers got introduced. Um, there was more cycling and more cycling triggers that was, had been introduced in the first set, but it was built upon here. Um, and tribal continued. Um, there were a few new tribes added, though, uh, the biggest of which was slivers got added. Um, in the story... Uh, there's something called the Riptide Project, and they were trying to clone Slivers, and it didn't go well. Um, so for those who don't know, Slivers were originally created by Mike Elliott in a set he made before he came to Wizards. Um, and in his original set, it was called, uh, what was it called? Something spectral, um, Astral Ways. Mike's set was called Astral Ways. Um, and in his story... There was a creature that fell from the heavens and broke into many pieces, and the slivers were all slivers of, or pieces of, this one greater person. Um, We ended up putting in Tempest, we adapted to the Tempest story, so slivers in magic ended up becoming, um, uh, they are shape-changing creatures that share a hive mind. And so the idea is, if one of them has learned how to grow wings... Uh, anybody within a certain radius will learn that from him, and they too can now grow wings, and thus they can fly. That's the flavor of what's going on, is um, as the um, slivers learn how to grow new new appendages and things, they, they gain abilities, and so they can share that knowledge with the hive mind. But, but there's a, a distance uh, that, in the story. Um, that's how the, the Gerard and crew managed to beat them, is realizing that if they separate them by a certain amount of distance, they lose abilities. Um, so slivers got added, as we'll talk about. Um, there are a bunch of slivers in the set. Um, also, um, there's just a... The third set, Scourge, which we'll get to uh, next time I talk about um, uh, a design. Uh, Scourge had a little bit of a dragon theme. Um, I think retroactively they put one or two more dragons in here when they realized that Scourge was going to be a dragon thing. Uh, so there's a little, bit, little tiny bit of dragon things going on here. Um, uh, also, let's see. Okay, so the new mechanics uh, was Amplify. So what Amplify was is when you played this creature, you, had a re- you, you were allowed to reveal from your hand any number of creatures that shared a creature type with that creature. And then for each one that did, it came into the play or came, came, came onto the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter for each creature revealed. So, for example, I, show, I play an elf with Provoke. Not Provoke, sorry. I, I play an elf with Amplify. I show you three elves in my hand. It comes into play with three plus one, plus one counters on it. Um, and the idea for that was that a lot of times with all creatures, you're sitting with creatures sitting in your hand. And the idea was that you could use those creatures to sort of have some effect um, this is one of the earliest uses, by the way, of revealing as a cost. It's something we've, we've definitely messed around more with, but this is one of the earliest cases of us doing that. Okay, next, provoke. Provoke's a mechanic, uh, creature mechanic. Uh, obviously, they're all creature mechanics, this whole set's creature. Uh, although, Amplify, in theory... No, Amplify only goes in creatures, so... And Provoke only goes in creatures. Surprise, surprise, they're all creature mechanics in the all-creature set. 
Provoke uh, says, when I attack, I get to untap target creature, and then that creature must block my provoke creature. Um, so this is the precursor to fight. Uh, the big difference here is it happens during combat, and other creatures could join in. So when I untap creature, go, you must block me. A, you get to choose... Oh, I think you have to block the provoke creature. So I untap you, and you must block the provoke creature. But you could have other creatures join in on the fight. So normally with fight... You know, two creatures uh, get in a fight. Here, if you wanted, you know, if I provoke a creature and attack, you could have other creatures join the fight. So it, it was a little different than fight, although it's, it's an early precursor to fight. Um, people keep asking us if we're going to bring provoke back. And my answer is now that we have fight, it's less likely. I'm not going to say no, um, but fight does a lot of the role of what provoke did. The final new mechanic was a mechanic called double strike which obviously has become evergreen. In fact, it became evergreen almost instantaneously. So I think I mentioned this once before, but really quickly, um, we have done a number of things called You Make the Card, we've done four so far, where the audience gets to pick and vote on a card, and they end up, through their votes, making a card that we put into magic. The very first card um, was called Forgotten Ancient, a.k.a. Mr. Baby Cakes. That was his design name. Um, Forgotten Ancient... Um, when we were trying to get abilities for it, people sent stuff in. Somebody, I don't know their name, I wish I did, um, sent in the double strike ability. Now, the problem is, green does not get uh, first strike. So it obviously did not get double strike. Um, but we liked the ability so much that we held on to it, and we put it, uh, once we found a place for it, which was in the set, we put it in. And we liked it so much, it's become a staple of magic. Okay. Um... So there are a couple other things going on in the set. Um, like I said, we were trying to make sure that we were hitting some things we needed for gameplay. Um, the set had a bunch of saboteurs. That's what R&D calls creatures that, if they hit you, um, manage to do things. Uh, saboteurs work well with Morph because they'll just hit information. Oh, should I block it? Ho-ho, it's a saboteur. Um, so they work well with that. And just in general, because we didn't have... One of the tricks about not ha- or only having creatures, meaning having no instants or sorceries, is there is less surprise. Um, so we, we resolved that in a couple ways. One is we had morph triggers, which meant morph things could pop up and do things, so that had a surprise to it. Um, we had cycling triggers, so we could do things in which you cycle cards out of your hands to produce small effects. That acted a lot like instants. We had the saboteurs. Uh, that's more like sorcery, but... You know, you could sort of generate things that you could get through. Um, so we did a bunch of things to make sure that while we didn't technically have any instances of sorceries, there still was lots of hidden information, because that was very important. Um, and, by the way, on the tribal front, uh, all, here's all the tribes we cared about sometime during the set, uh, was Beast, Bird, Cleric, Dragon, Elves, Goblins, Illusions, Soldiers, Slivers, Wizards, and Zombies. Um, most of those we had cared about in the first set, Dragons was us trying to set up the next set. Uh, illusions was part of the story because Ixidor made illusions. Uh, Slivers obviously started in this set. Okay, so what happens in the story? So if you remember last time, um, Ixidor showed up. Ixidor and his loved, uh, what was her name, Nevia? Um, anyway, uh, they were both pit fighters. She gets killed. He gets distraught. Goes out in the desert. Realizes he has this power to create illusions. He creates a chroma and starts causing all sorts of havoc. 
Uh, Kamal has no choice but to band together with his enemies from the, la- the previous black story, the Cabal, and to try to stop them. Meanwhile, the Cabal uh, has uh, turned Kamal's sister Jessica into Phage, who is a, uh, a person whose very touch is deadly. We'll get to that when I get to the card by cards. Um, anyway, um, Ixodor gets killed, I think by Phage. I think Phage kills Ixodor. I believe. But anyway, Akroma has it out for Phage, I, I believe because Phage killed Ixidor. And there's a major fight between Akroma and Phage. And then they morph together, along with a third creature called Zagorka, which I don't know, I'm not quite sure which, what, what she has to do with this, but they, they morph together into Corona the False God, which shows up in the next set, not, not in this set. Okay, so like I said, a design was led by Mike Elliott. The development was led by William Jockish. Um, so for those who know, I, I, I've talked about William a bit during our, our uh, Who's Who, so I won't get too much into it. Go listen to the Who's Who um, Wave 2 if you want to hear more about William or Mike. They're both Wave 2 people. Um, William definitely had a very peculiar way that he would look at things, and in William's mind, he felt like we'd committed to a creature set, and what he thought that meant was we shouldn't have creatures that mimic things that aren't creatures, even though magic all the time does that. It's not like it's odd to see a creature with a global effect or a creature with an enter-the-battlefield effect, you know, that those are normal things. Um, and what Mike understood and the rest of us understood was that part of the gimmick of having all creatures is you just want to say, look, every single card says, you know, um, creature on it. You know, it, it's a creature, uh, the fact that the creatures could do different things to fill in the void was the point. It was, we weren't trying to show that we could make, like, the experiment wasn't doing creatures and not doing other spell-type effects. It was trying to mimic a game of magic, but only using creature cards. Anyway, in the end, uh, William eventually sort of got worn down uh, by the rest of R&D. Um, oh, by the way, the pre-release card um, was Feral Throwback. So it was a premium Feral Throwback. Um, so, another little bit of trivia is um, Legions was the first set to have a booster pack with more than one image. Up until that time, every single booster release had a singular image. Um, which is, if you think of old sets, there just was all image on them. Um, and this was the first set to um, give you three different pictures. Um, is that true? Not, I, I read this, and I wrote that down, and now I'm thinking about it, and I'm like... Did any of the large sets ever do multiple pictures? This might be the first small set with multiple pictures. My, my reading said this was the first set, first set to do that. Maybe it was the first set. Um, I'm trying to think back to things like Ice Age. Yeah, I think maybe large sets had multiple pictures. It might have been the first small set that had multiple pictures, to correct my little trivia I wrote down. Okay, uh, there were a couple cycles. Let's talk about the cycles. There was the Gem, pal- the gem Palm Cycle. So, um, Gem Paul Avenger, Gem Paul Sorcerer, Gem Paul Polluter, Gem Paul Incinerator, and Gem Paul Strider. When I listen, by the way, it's in Wooburg order, white, blue, black, red, green, for those that do not know. Um, these were all c- creatures that had cycling, and when you cycled them, they had a small triggered, uh, a small triggered um, tribal effect. A small triggered tribal effect. That's not easy to say. Um, so, the idea essentially was that you could play them... Um, uh, but if you cycle them, they would help you... They, they were tribally connected. Um, and what that means is they normally counted the number of things or affected things uh, that they had a, a tribal connection. 
Next, the Invokers. So the Invokers were all creatures that had decent bodies that you could play, but for seven mana, did something big. So the Invokers were Starlight Invoker, Glintwing Invoker, Smoke Spew Invoker, Flame Wave Invoker, and Stonewood Invoker. So the idea of these creatures was we wanted to make sure that there were some in-game things. And so what we did is, in fact, Invokers have become so popular, you, you see them in Magic a lot now. It's something we just do. That if you need to get an endgame, what you do is you make commons or uncommons that have a decent body that you want to play normally, just that are normally you would play. Um, they, they pass the vanilla test, as they say. Um, but late game, and, and these, they all cost seven. Usually Invokers, invokers have to have a large effect but cost a lot of mana. The idea is later in the game, they click on and start to do stuff. So the idea is, if you've got these in play early on, they're, they're efficient beaters, and usually. Um, but later in the game, they click on and become really big finishing cards. Um, and they tend to do large effects. That's why they, co- they cost a lot of mana, but they do large effects. Uh, and a lot of people I know, at first when they first saw these, would poo-poo them a little bit, because it seemed like, oh, that effect that I could get for just, like, if, let's say it was a card, you know, I want to do three damage. Well, Lightning Bolt is three damage for one mana. And even, even if you assume that's expensive, two mana for a spell and a card. But this is a creature you already got that's worth playing, that's worth putting in your deck and limited, and just turns on all of a sudden, late game, when you have mana, just starts creating effects. Uh, and it took people a while to understand the value of that. Um, invokers, by the way, have become such an important tool to, to design and development that um, we literally ref- we refer to these things as invokers. We'll say, oh, I think that your set needs invokers. What that means is you need creatures with high activated costs that can allow you to late game help make, make you finish. Next, the muses. So the muses were, were a rare cycle. So uh, um, in, invokers, by the way, were a common cycle. The muses were a rare cycle of creatures that all had an enchantment-like effect. In fact, this got added in a bit later. I think it was added in development. Um, or maybe they were added in development, taken out by development, and put back in. Um, these were definitely there to be splashy enchantment-like effects sitting on creatures. Um, the idea was they did big, rare, splashy enchantment effects. Um, and these, these were very, very popular. The Muses were, very, were one of the biggest um, hits of the set. Um, okay, and then there were three more cycles. There was a common 1-1 sliver cycle, an uncommon 2-2 sliver cycle, and a rare 3-3 sliver cycle. So uh, there were three sliver cycles, and they, they, they got bigger as you went along. Um, when I go card by card, I will, I will hit some of the slivers and talk about them. Um, the set had one straight-up reprint, uh, meaning same name, which was White Knight Came Back. Um, it's funny, because White Knight... White Knight is one of those cards that just, it seems beloved by R&D, even though, even though protection is all sorts of problems. Uh, it just has a great name, it's got a good flavor, it's just like, I'm the White Knight, and Anyway, it got reprinted in the set. Um, we did do four pre-constructed decks. Um, so there was Elvish Rage, which was a mono-green deck. There was Morph Mayhem, which was a white-blue deck. There was Sliver Shivers, which was a white-blue-green deck. And there was Zombies Unleashed, which was a black deck. So no red deck, which seems odd. Normally we make sure to cover all the bases. I don't know if the previous um, decks had maybe been a little heavy in red, so they felt it's okay to not have red. Um, strikes me as a bit weird there was no red, but... Okay, we've talked about that. Let's get into the card by cards. So we're going to start with the most popular card in the set. Is the very... 
collector number one, I'm not sure how often this is true, where collector number one, the first card of the set, was the most popular card of the set. So can you name it? Starts with an A. Akroma Angel of Wrath. So she costs five white, 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 so eight mana for six, six, uh, Angel Legend, le- legendary, uh, Legends was still a creature type at the time and not yet become a super type. She had Flying, First Strike, Trample, Haste, Protection from Black, Protection from Red, and uh, essentially Vigilance, but it was written out because Vigilance did not, was not yet a um, keyworded ability. So Flying, First Strike, Trample, Haste, Pro Black, Pro Red, Vigilance. Essentially seven abilities. So um, I wrote a whole article about this, but for those who might not have read this article, I did not like this card. Um, now, let me explain why. It's, it's not... So this is what we call a kitchen sink card, which means it just... It's just a creature that has lots of keywords on it. I'm not against kitchen sink cards. I'm fine. Actually, I like kitchen sink cards. They tend to be very popular with players. My problem was, there's a story to Akroma. You know, she very much... Um, there's things that she was supposed to do in the story, and I felt like we were just giving her, like, okay, yeah, she does stuff, but where where... Where does it match the story? And I was trying to give her an ability that I thought would be more story appropriate. But I got outvoted, and not only was she the most popular creature in this set, we did a, um, what I call a head-to-head, but a, a 64 everyday two players, like a, a ladder, a 64 ladder, every day you vote for two people and you until there's one winner. So, uh, so 63 days in a row, there's a face-off every day. And you, you, know, you go from top 64 to top 32 to top 16 to top 8 to top 4 to top 2. And the winner of the... It was 64 Legends. The winner of the Legend Off was Akroma. She won. And she got a, um, a couple things. She got her own theme week. We put her into Legions. We put a... Uh, we, we then put an alternate version of her into Planar Chaos... And then we did a memorial to her, a little tribute to her in the third set. So all three sets had an Akroma nod to them. Um, so she, as I said last time, in the story, she's a creation. The funny thing is, he makes illusions. He made her. I don't know why she's not an illusion. Maybe the illusions are so real that they're no longer illusions. I don't know. Um, but she was an angel. But not an illusion angel. Not an angel illusion. I guess she'd be an angel illusion, but she, she wasn't. Um, what turned out, I guess, worked well was she just was a beater. I guess in the story she was supposed to be a good fighter. Um, oh, the big controversy. Okay, so she had flying. White is flying. She had first strike. White is first strike. Protection black, protection red, vigilance, all things white has. Trample, well, white gets trampled every once in a while on big things. That's acceptable. But haste, that was the controversy. Red is primary in haste. Black is secondary in haste. So the, actually, when I mentioned it, black secondary in haste and green tertiary in haste was... Not really even all that legit at the time. But but anyway, red is first, black is second, green is third. Even blue in Future Sight, I think, had one haste creature. White normally does not get haste. It's not a white thing. White um, used to get flash, but white really isn't the the haste color. White, white, white creatures get a little summoning stick. They, they have to focus. They're not wild, unabandoned creatures. Um... But we decided it's a special one-of-a-time thing, and I think this might be the only card in the game, um, I think. Well, I, I take that back. There are some, um, all of the suspend cards of haste, so there's some white suspend cards that have haste, but that, 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 that is less of true haste and more of, you finally got it, let's attack with it. Um, but anyway, Akroma just delivered. People loved Akroma. 
Uh, and Chroma and Phage were the two most popular. I'll get to Phage when I get to pee. Um, but anyway, uh, Chroma was... Talk about, uh, I talked about all my victories. Here's what I was wrong. I was wrong. I mean, like, I, I, let me stress again. I wasn't against the card, and I thought we could maybe put the card somewhere. I was against the card being a Chroma. But anyway, I was wrong. It should be a Chroma. Super popular. Um, it made me realize that uh, we could use Kitchen Sink on Legendary stuff. I, I think I was trying to get more flavor through it, but... Okay. Next, Bane of the Living. So it's two black-black for a 4-3 insect. Uh, it's Morph. For Morph XBB... Uh, you got to turn it face up, and then all creatures get minus X, minus X until end of turn. Uh, so the, the idea of this card was it did affect itself. The, the cutesy thing about it was it's a 4-3. Um, for 2BB, which is the cost of playing it, you can essentially uh, destroy everything with t- toughness 2 or less. And that allows you to do that and keep your 4-3, keeps them surviving. But if you want, you could do stuff that's more than that, but then you're going to kill the creature. So part of the trade-off of trying to kill bigger things is you kill the creature and that thing. But being that this creature kind of morphed into a spell that could just kill things, and if you had enough mana, it could kill everything, it was a very, you know, it was a very useful card. Next, Blade Sliver. So two in a red for two, two sliver. All slivers get plus one, plus oh. So to show you a little bit how we were deviated, this is an uncommon. So this is an uncommon. In Tempest, at common, for one in a green... Um, you got Muscle Sliver, which was a 2-2. All your creatures, all your slivers, sorry, all your slivers get plus one, plus one. So this costs one more for the same size creature at uncommon and only boosts power and not toughness. Hopefully that shows you that Muscle Sliver was a little powerful. Um, and so what we divvied up this time, uh, red got to power pump and I believe white got to toughness pump. Or, uh, you know, uh, red gave plus one, plus two, plus oh, plus one, plus oh. Um, uh, yeah, plus one, plus O, oh, and uh, white gate plus O oh, plus one, I believe. Um, the slivers, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, so Mike Elliott made the slivers and put them into Tempest. Mike was the one that wanted to bring them back. Um, he was doing an all-creature set, and the slivers were his babies. He really wanted to bring them back. He felt like it's an all-slivers, it's an all-creature tribal set. It's all about, tri- you know, um, tribal to boot. Slivers are all about tribal. And so he convinced uh, the powers that be to bring them back. He put in three cycles to make sure there were enough that you could play with them. Um, the, I don't believe that the slivers were not intended to come back. That was not originally part of the plan when we had made Odyssey. I think Mike... Um, well, the Mike did Odyssey. Not Odyssey, sorry. Mike did Onslaught. Um, I'm not sure when Mike got the idea of doing slivers, but I know the slivers were in here because of Mike. Um, and then the creative... This is one of the ones where design says, there's slivers. Hey, creative team... There's lots of slivers, and then they came up with the Riptide project to figure out where the slivers came from. Next, Blood Celebrant. Black, a single black for a 1-1 cleric. Uh, black, pay one life and tap, add one man of any color to your mana pool. Um, so, one of the side effects, probably the biggest side effects when you do all of something, is if that something doesn't include land, you don't have lands to help you color fix. And so you got to get a little more creative to help you with the color fixing. Um, and this is a good example of something that black does a little bit. Um, if, black, if black pays enough, it, it can get stuff. So it does have access to other colors for life. It's something we allow it to do. Um, also notice, by the way, when I say cleric, this is uh, 
We did not start the race class system until Mirrodin, the next block, which is kind of crazy when this was the tribal block. But I, I think that we realized during doing this block that really race class made sense, and so we instituted it as soon as we could. Um, it would come to pay off later in Lorwyn, although added some complexity in Lorwyn, uh, but it would come back, we would see it in Lorwyn. Okay, next. Bloodstoke Howler. Five and a red for a three-four creature, a beast. Um, more, for more, for six and a red, you could uh, turn the face up, and all beasts got plus three, plus zero till end of turn. So this is a good example of that more cards can function in different ways. Uh, some of them can be very fast, some of them can be slow. This is meant as a, a more of a finisher card where I get it out, and late in the game, I can reveal. So early in the game, I can play it as a morph. I can be pretty aggressive with it. Um, but later in the game, I, th- this essentially can help me win. Um, for all intents and purposes, it's very similar to an overrun. I mean, there's no trample, but, um, you know, and you have to be playing a beast deck in order to, to effectively use it. Um, but it was something very effective that if you, you got a bunch of beasts, and the beasts tended to come out later, so this is something you didn't want to use till later because your beasts tended to be bigger. Okay, next, Brontotherium. So four green-green for a 5-3 beast. I had Trample and Provoke. So remember, so what this creature did is this 5-3 creature, when it attacks, it untaps target creature. That creature must block this creature. So 5-3 is pretty big. 5-3 it, it, is going to kill most things that block it. Um, now notice we gave it a 3 toughness, so it's not... It's not um, we, we refer to them as abysses based on the card from Legends, but... Uh, if you make a card that every turn just kills a creature, it's really daunting. It's what Abyss did. Um, the Abyss did. And um, so we're trying to care for them. We have things that have the possibility to do that. That's why this was given a three toughness, which is, okay, look, maybe I can kill some of your creatures, but it's bigger. By the time I get this out, odds are you have a, a three-powered three creature. Um, but it's also a trample, so whatever you block, it could blow through. So... This, is, this creature essentially, and this, like I said, provokes kind of a precursor to fight. This creature could essentially pick a fight with something uh, and pretty much be guaranteed to kill the thing that picks the fight with, often trampling over. Okay. Well, I am pulling up two wizards right now. So, um, obviously, as is the plan, I will continue for as many podcasts as it takes to get through the card by cards. Um, I'm up to B, so I predict we have a few, a few podcasts left. Um... So Legions is very interesting. Oh, I didn't even talk about... Here's something I didn't talk about, which I will have to pick up on future podcasts, which is Legions has a very weird reputation. Um, it was, for a long time, one of the best... Sell- In fact, it was the best-selling small set for quite a while, for many, many years. Yet, because of not having a high percentage of tournament cards, it was considered a dud by a lot of the advanced players. So it was a set that kind of had a reputation for being a dud, but was a really, really good seller, uh, and really taught Wizards a lot about kind of the audience, because it's very easy to see who the loud vocal um, minority is, but the non-vocal majority are really important. <laughs> they, they are a, a big consumer of the game, and so we have to make sure that we address them. And so this was one of the first things that really made us see uh, what we at the time called the Invisibles, the people we couldn't easily track. Because the set sold so well, even though all the vocal people didn't like the set. So, anyway, I'll talk more about that in future podcasts. But, I've now parked my car, so you know what that means. <laughs> um, so, it's time for me to end my drive to work and start be making magic.
Okay, I'll, I'll work. I'll work on that ending. That needs a little. Uh, I'm still trying to fine tune it. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for joining me uh, for part one of um, uh, what is it? Legions. Part one of Legions. Uh, and uh, remember, next time I'll have to talk about the Legions Legends debate. So um, there was a big debate when then we got the, okay. Real quickly, there's a big debate on the name because uh, Legion sounds a lot like Legends. And a bunch of us, including me, felt that they were too close and we should name it something different. And then eventually they go, eh, whatever, it was a long time ago, and so they named it Legions. Okay, let me try the ending one more time, since I failed so miserably. Okay, I parked my car. Uh, it means it's time for me to end my drive to work and go bay making magic. I'm trying! I'm tr- okay, let's forget that I, I messed this ending up, and I had such a lovely podcast. So, anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. I promise to work on my ending, and um, I'll talk to you guys soon.